You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Joining me now is TV critic and author, Matthew Gilbert. And Matthew's going to be talking to us today about his recently released book, Off the Leash. So we're going to be excited to talk to Matthew about the book and his writing process and uh, get to know him a little bit better. So everybody hang tight. We're going to come right back after these messages. You're listening to Animal Rights Show on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Joining me now is author Matthew Gilbert. Matthew, welcome to the show. Oh, Tim, it's great to be with you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Congratulations on the book. Tell us a little bit about the latest Off the Leash. Thank you. Well, it's a book about me (laughs) (laughs) and my experience getting my first dog and getting pulled into the world of a local dog park. So it's my story, but it's also a look at the whole subculture of dog parks. And and really, you know, I think of it as really a celebration of dog parks because it's become almost a second home for me. Now, you're uh, you're from Boston. You're in the Boston area. Tell yep. us a little bit about dog parks in Boston because uh, different parts of the country, it can mean a lot of different things from just open parks to, uh, you know, definitely gated areas with fences. What is a dog park up there and what's your traditional dog park that you guys like to go to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, around here, there are a number of different styles of dog park. There are fenced-in parks there are, that are kind of self-standing, and then there are fenced-in parks within larger parks. The park that I go to most often and that I write about in Off the Leash is called Amory Park, and it is not fenced-in. So people with you know, dogs that tend to run far don't usually you know, become regulars there, but it's a gorgeous, gorgeous piece of land. It's in the middle of the city, like a lot of these beautiful little pocket parks. You know, It's tucked into the middle of a bunch of big buildings, but it's spectacular with two baseball diamonds and gorgeous pastoral weeping willows. And every day until one o'clock, dogs running around off leash. Of course, I and my friends would never, ever go off leash after one o'clock. I just just want you to know that. (laughs) Yes, uh, we definitely have a lot of uh, parks and recreations officials listening to this show from the Boston area, so I'm glad you got that put in there. (laughs) So let me ask you about the park itself then, because obviously there are certain times when they can be on leash and other times they can't. Is that correct? That is correct. It's a multi-use park, and I think that may actually be a required part of the funding. So they, you know, there are people walking through our park who aren't dog people. There are, you know, soccer players practicing and and whatnot. Um, So it's a mixed group of people, which means that as dog people, we constantly have to be vigilant. 
you know, about making sure that we don't alienate non-dog people. There you go. I love yeah. that. Dog people. <laughs> All right. So you're now a dog person, and you're uh, tell us a little bit about your handsome boy. Oh, well, he's, he's the most handsome boy in the whole world, of course. He's a yellow lab, and he's my first dog. And because he's my first dog, I felt committed to going to a breeder. You know, I wasn't experienced in owning a dog, and I just felt like I really wanted to kind of do the breeder thing. So he's full-bred, and he's gorgeous, and his temperament is classic lab, calm, loves children, always has a ball in his mouth, um, and is just the light of my life, and he makes me laugh every single day. There you go. And, and his yeah. name is? His name is Toby. There you go. And he just turned 10. But the book is about my first year with him. You know, I think it's important for me to say that before I got Toby, I was terrified of dogs. Mm. Um, I was the classic dog hater. If I touched a dog, my hand would buzz until I could get to a sink. You know, I really, I just, it's amazing to me because right now, you know, I kiss him on Toby on his snout probably a hundred times a day and don't even think twice about it. But, you know, I didn't grow up with dogs. And, you know, I, I think also just psychologically, I preferred a sense of control and dogs really don't fit into that vision of the world. So, you know, that was who I was until I was about 40. And uh, I fell in love and I fell in with a person, a guy, and uh, I fell in love with a guy who also is a dog person. And I think the combination of those two things, you know, falling in love and kind of when you fall in love, your heart opens up a little bit. And so that happened. And then, you know, I found myself thrown together with dogs because all of the members of his family had dogs. So gradually over the course of two or three years, I sort of converted, which is great because I think a lot of us feel like, you know, when you're 40, you are who you are. That's it. You know, and so it's it's always delightful when you kind of wake up and realize that you did have a kind of large life change in your middle ages. Yeah, exactly. And all of a sudden, overnight, uh, you become a dog person. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sort of overnight. Yeah, and it's just been a fantastic change and revelation for me, and I will never be without a dog again. There you go. Well, I think, you know, you hit on that. You know, In the 40s, I'll speak towards that. You know, I think you're sort of at that pinnacle where you, yes, you think you know who you are and what, you know, you're, you are who you are, et cetera. On the other hand, you're looking for more, you know, you're looking for a change, a shift. And I think it's natural around that age for people to sort of go through a shift in life. And uh, in this case, it sounds like you had a major shift in your relationship with man and beast. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and the beast that I happen to find is an extremely social beast. So, you know, I'm not a sociopath, <laughs> but I've always been, I've always tended to be a little more introverted and he was having none of that. You know, they say you get the dog you need, not the dog you want. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a classic example of that. I mean, this dog was so social as a puppy and, uh, you know, he basically was pulling me into the dog park every day. And while he would romp with his new friends, I sort of found myself having to socialize with the people. So thus, Toby has taught you to sort of get out there, socialize, see things from a different aspect and have fun at all times, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, yes, you know, well, <laughs> yes, I, I'm completely happy all the time now that I have a dog. You know, that's how it works. No, there you go. Just, just, but, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, no, it, 
it did change my life. You know, I am on being sincere about that. I feel like the the process of having to go to the dog park with him and and mix with people who I might never have mixed with before has been really liberating and wonderful. Most of your listeners probably have dog parks of their own, and they know that dog parks draw people from all different walks of life, all different ages. Um, it's really uh, just a socio-economic, cultural melting pot, to use a cliche. And, uh, and that has just been great, you know, to find the common ground of being among dogs together and watching the dogs play and feeling, you know, their joy and almost getting a contact high from it. And, you know, just the, and, you know, of course there, there are fights too, but yeah. just, just that, that feeling of uh, that energy is so great. Yeah, I think you did a great job of it in the book, explaining how it can be a, a culture change, it can be a fun experience, and it can also be a frightening, scary, smelly, uh, <laughs> and that's just the people, <laughs> yeah. that's not even the dogs. But uh, <laughs> So it's, it's a mixture, and it can all happen in one day. All those experiences can happen in one day or one hour at the dog park. Exactly. It's really great. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back and uh, talk to Matthew Gilbert a little bit more about his book, Off the Leash. So everybody hang tight. You're listening to The Animal Rights Show on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's dinner time in America where more pet parents trust PetSmart for natural and expert-recommended foods than any place else. And now, we've added more than 100 new varieties to our already wide selection of your favorite brands, like Simply Nourish, Authority, Wellness, Science Diet, and more. Do what's best for your pet. At PetSmart, happiness in store. Go to PetSmartDeal.com to find out this week's coupon code and save up to 30% on food, treats, toys, and more. And get free shipping on orders of $49. Go to PetSmartDeal.com. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm here with author Matthew Gilbert talking to him about his book, Off the Leash. Now, Matthew, how did you uh, decide to write the book? Did you wake up one day and say, hey, this, all these experiences would be great for a book, or uh, was there a little bit more thought process to that? Well, you, you know, I, you mentioned I'm a TV critic at the Boston Globe, and so I'm a writer, and I'm always looking for things to write about, or I just, you know, live my life that way. And so when I started going to the dog park, I had this instinct that it was something that I might want to write about at some point, you know, maybe just as an essay, but I took notes, 
And uh, I'm so glad I did that. In the process of writing the book, I referred back to those notes a lot. But yeah, and, and you know, I would come home from the park almost every day with some kind of story to tell Tom, my husband, or other friends. And everybody just kept saying to me, write a book, write a damn book. So finally, I wrote an essay that was published in the Boston Globe in 2011. And, you know, I just got a huge response. It was, it was basically just a tribute to the dog park and, and what a great space it is in, in urban life. And I heard from hundreds of dog people across the country. And, you know, it was great. And I thought, okay, I, I've, I've struck a vein here of some kind. And uh, so I got myself an agent and I, you know, got a book contract, fortunately, with St. Martin's Press. There you and, go. Uh, yeah, here we are. There you go. That's how you do it. That's how you yeah. do it. You know, and I tell people all the time, you know, and this is your first book, right? This is my first book. Yeah, so uh, we're going to delve into that whole process in a moment. But, you know, I tell people all the time, just there's so many opportunities to write, so many avenues to write. You never know what uh, is going to excite your audience, your excite people around you, or even excite yourself. So, you know, start writing it all down. And uh, like you said, the next thing you know, you've got uh, some people interested, and it sounds like a book. You write it, and voila, here you are. Absolutely. I mean, writing those notes in that notebook um, that is now very dog-eared was the process of finding my voice for the book. You know, it's such a valuable process, and I totally agree with you. You know, just start taking notes. Write some poems, you know. Just start getting that voice going and, and finding that voice. Exactly. Absolutely right. So let's talk about the writing process of the book. Now you've got your notes and you've got your agent and it's sold. How did you find the process overall? Was it uh, a breeze to take all those notes and put them on paper and it's good to go? Or were there challenges (laughs) behind it? Walk us through that process. Well, you know, I am a journalist. So the problem for me is never writer's block. You know, I just, I, I can't afford that in my professional life. So I can always come up with words when I sit down. The problem for me was being able to maintain interest in one topic for such a long period of time. You know, I I write tons of of television reviews and essays for the Globe, and I rarely spend more than a day on any of them. So this was a challenge. Um, I got a five-month leave. Fortunately, they were willing to allow me to do that unpaid by the way. And, uh, <laughs> and I just worked at focusing on it. I wish now I could go back and redo the book. I feel like writing my first book, was I was learning how to do it while I was doing it. But, uh, you know, it, I found a rhythm. I don't want to idealize the process. Uh, you know, it, there were days when I thought I was going to quit. And there were days and there are still days when I look at the book and think, I wish I could redo it all, you know, but what are you going to do? What goes on? Yeah, well, then you uh, start taking more notes in your journal, and you write another essay, and you write another book, and that's... Tim, do you have any ideas for me? Oh, I've got more ideas than you would want to know, so we're going to (laughs) take that one offline, that's for sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I find that the same thing with the process. You know, I look back at some of the early writing that, that I've done for, uh, you know, for magazines and newspapers and then my first book and now writing, you know, getting ready to publish my next book. It's you go back and you read it and reread it and think, well, you know, I, I could have done so much better. You know, I think at the end of the day, if you get your message across and your audience enjoys it and you're getting more positive responses than negative responses, then I think maybe you're on the right track. That's right. And, and we are our harsh, we tend to be our harshest critics. I know a few people who aren't, <laughs> but most people, you know, judge themselves harder than anyone else does. So you're not always the most dependable reader of your own work. That's right. That's right. So you get the masses out there, get some good, uh, you know, truthful opinions about it, and then uh, get it out and get it published and let the world enjoy your, uh, your experiences and, uh, and Toby's yeah. experiences. Yeah, and feel the, the uh, satisfaction of at least having finished something like that. You know, I think even if, even if it weren't published by a press, you know, if it, even if I'd self-published it, or even even if I just showed it to friends, I think I would feel good. I mean, a lot of people, after you publish a book, ask you how it's selling, and I am not paying any attention to that. Good. I feel like, you know, I know if it doesn't sell, I'm not going to feel like this book was a failure. You know, it gave me what I needed and what I wanted, and I feel good about it, and that's the end of the story for me. Yeah, I mean that's what you have to do. I mean, I think in my opinion, I, I think you hit it right on the head. You got to get it out there, get the message out there, and at the end of the day, you felt good about what you've accomplished, then you've accomplished it. You know, there's so many avenues to write, and so many opinions out there from uh, the professionals, the, the experienced people, the editors, the publishers, the you know the agents, etc. And it's all different. No matter you know whoever yeah. you talk to, you know, it, you sell a thousand books, that could be great. You sell ten thousand or hundred thousand, that's even better. But when the next person says, well, you're going to sell two thousand, you're doing great. Next one says, well, if you're lucky, sell 500, you're doing well. So eh, at the end of the day, just push that aside, write your great book, which you've done, and uh, you're off and running. That's right. And and write it about a dog so that they can't disagree with anything that you say. <laughs> that's, exa- that's exactly right. Yeah. That's why I was telling, uh, I've told a few authors, it's like, you know, always include a dog, always include an animal in a book. Uh, I had that conversation with James Rollins, actually, and uh, he always does. He always has a dog in a book. And it's like, yeah. you know, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Put an animal in the book, you're going to be gold. So don't worry that's about right. it. So before I leave you today, tell me a little bit about if you had to pick like one life lesson that Toby has taught you, especially when putting together this book, what would be the, the biggest life lesson he's told you, taught you? Oh, boy. I mean, I think no drama. I'm just, I mean, that's the first mm-hmm. thing that comes to mind. Of course, there are a million lessons every day, but I just feel like I, I don't have the time for the drama. He's so peaceful. He's so um, ready to open to feel joy and to feel whatever it is that he's feeling in his doggy brain and heart. And uh, I just, I like that. And I'm over, you know, creating stress and drama in my life. I hope that makes sense. Oh, amen, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have a giant sign. It's a it's a, not a literal sign, but a figurative sign outside of our home in our office that says this is a drama-free zone. So any fight enter, don't bring your drama. And uh, the dogs can definitely teach you that, and I'm glad it's, uh, it's probably the best lesson that Toby will ever teach you, I think. So that, that's <laughs> big kudos for Toby. Yeah. Well, Matthew, tell us a little bit about where people can find out about what's going on with you and Toby and uh, purchase the book, etc. Yeah. Well, I have a website, and it's it's mostly based on the book, and it's just MatthewGilbert.com. And, you know, you can find the book at your local independent bookstore, assuming you have one. 
and if not, it's it's on all of the you know Amazon, Barnes and Noble type sites, IndieBound. And then I also have lots of stuff in the Boston Globe. So uh, if you're interested in television and you want to see what I like and what I don't like, go to there. Yeah, it's about that time of the year, isn't it? It sure is. I'm, yeah. At this moment, I'm watching. I'm trying to watch all the fall premieres. So I'm I'm looking at probably 25 to 30 hours of television a week, wow. which makes the dog park even more precious. <laughs> That's right. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah, weeding through all those shows, especially. Uh, hopefully, there's a better trend for uh, good shows and positive shows this year than we've seen in the past. So I'll just leave it at that. You're the critic. <laughs> I won't touch that space. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, wonderful. Matthew, thanks so much for coming on the show. Everybody go to uh, Matthew's website, matthewgilbert.com, and we'll get the message out on that. Visit him on the Boston Globe and see what he's got to say about the latest TV shows. Everybody pick up a copy, obviously, of Off the Leash, A Year at the Dog Park by Matthew Gilbert. So, Matthew, thanks for coming on to the Animal Rights Show on Pet Life Radio. Oh, Tim, that was such a pleasure. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Well, we're coming to the end of the show today. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the Animal Rights Show on Pet Life Radio. I'd also like to thank, once again, Matthew Gilbert for being on the show today. Talk to us about his book, Off the Leash, A Year at the Dog Park. I want to thank the sponsors and producers for putting on uh, the show each and every time. I do appreciate that. To find out more about me, Tim Link, and other guests I've had on the show, you can go to Animal Rights Show tab on the Pet Life Radio screen. That's PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Animal Rights Show and download the episodes and listen to them till your heart's content. And while you're there, uh, check out all the other wonderful shows and hosts that we have on Pet Life Radio. That's PetLifeRadio.com. If you have any questions for me, comments, or ideas for the show, please email me. You can email me at Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. That's Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. And I'll be glad to answer your questions, entertain your comments, and bring on the people you want to hear from most onto the show. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Share it in a blog, an article, or in a book. And who knows? You may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.